everybody. Welcome to episode 29 of the Masterclass. My name's Cam, and I am with my friend Dave here in his basement. How are you, Dave? I'm good. I realize that when I do the intro, I have like an intro voice. That's not how I normally sound. I think I just get nervous. I don't want to screw it up. You don't sound nervous. Well, thank you. It's because I'm a professional. Sounds very energetic, very welcoming. Dave, this is episode 29. We were supposed to record this on my birthday. I know, and I screwed it up. No, I'm not. That's not why I brought it up. (laughs) I turned 29 last week, and we recorded episode 28 instead of episode 29. So this is your magic episode. Yes, this is the golden episode. Oh, golden episode. And then we'll have another golden episode in a little bit when we get to Dave's number. (laughs) In about 15 episodes. Yeah, so there's something to look forward to, right? (laughs) Yes. Shameless plugs. That's what we're about here, Dave. All right. So last episode, we talked about the demon possessed dudes and the pigs. And I couldn't get over the fact that Jesus sent demons into these pigs and these pigs decided to go take one last swim. Uh, It just didn't make sense to me. And so I decided I would do some homework to figure out what this was about. And what I found out is that no one really cares. Like, there's a shocking lack of um, thoughts on this. Like, everything that I find about, like, all the commentary, all of the, you know, the discussion on this passage is is about the demon possession and the the exorcism of the demons. And then they're like, oh, and the pigs. And they just move on. Like, no one talks about it. Um, And so I did find one thing. Um, that kind of sums up what I read, and it's from an article on Bible.org, which we'll link to in the show notes. And it says this. It says, Now when the demons go into the pigs, those poor animals cannot bear up under their presence, and they run headlong down into the lake and drown. Mark tells us that there were about 2,000 animals. What the humans tolerated and lived with... Um, these unclean animals could not. Uh, the sudden shock to the system of the evil spirits drove them into the sea. The sea was to the ancient world a symbol of evil, of the primordial chaos. It was fitting then that the demons were rushed down into the sea where the pigs died. The demons themselves would not drown, but were driven out by Jesus and knew that he was controlling them and their destiny. It is possible that when they rushed into the lake, they rushed further into the abyss and were imprisoned. But the text does not say, so it's total conjecture. Um, the story is concerned with the victory over demons and the rescue of these men, i.e. the pigs don't matter. It's not a big deal. That's not what the passage is about. Hmm. So I'm not very satisfied with that, but then I had this other thought, Dave. Yes. Why am I so upset that pigs died? Why is we made a t-shirt making fun of 42 humans being mauled by she bears. That's a little bit more important than pigs, right? True. Humans are made in God's image. Pigs and she bears are not right. Um, now, I don't want the uh, you know the animal people to get all mad at me because I don't value the life of animals. But I'm just saying maybe the lack of um, thought or study on this aspect is I think is twofold. One, no one knows why, and two, it really probably isn't that important. Hmm. And maybe, maybe just maybe, I was overreacting when I thought, why, why the poor pigs? <laughs> it's possible. I've been wrong many times before. I, you know, I, from my perspective, I, I think it's, the question for me is, is why send them to the pigs 
for the pigs just to run into the ocean and die. Like, couldn't you just cast the demons out? But well, you yourself said last episode <laughs> that you think that they have to be, they I have do. to possess something. I do. And I don't think they can possess open air, mm-hmm. which would be kind of a neat trick. So I don't know. I mean, is it unfortunate that the shepherds lost their pigs? Yes. But I also, I also yeah, I don't think these are type of people that this was, this was probably a pretty bad crowd that they were dealing with there. Yeah. Well, it's definitely strong, 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 strong chance that they're Gentiles, not Jews. Cause they're on the other side. Mm-hmm. of the Sea of Galilee, but still, like we said last week, pretty bad PR. Right. So, yes, God came to save you, but not your pigs. No. All right. So, I'm kind of unsatisfied with that, but that's kind of, we're just going to have to leave it like that. Sure. We're just going to move on. Mm-hmm. If you have thoughts about those poor piggies, or those poor 42 young men that got mauled by angry mama bears... Well, I think they had one heck of a pig roast is what happened. Because even though they're dead, they went into the ocean, so they'd, you could still eat them. That's true. I've never had salted pig before. Salted pig. Saltwater pig. But if you want to, you know, get in touch with us about that fun little story, you can do so. Dave, where might people contact us? Oh my gosh, there are a whole bunch of different places that they can contact Would us. Would you say that the options are Legion? No. No. Oh, okay. Sorry, that was a really bad. Would you say I have a plethora? <laughs> <laughs> a plethora of piñatas? I do not know. <laughs> <laughs> they can reach us on Twitter at MasterclassFM. They can reach us uh, via email masterclassfm at gmail.com dot com dot com uh, they can go to our website masterclassfm.com mm-hmm. there's a theme there is there is and if they would like to talk to you directly on twitter they can reach you at cam brennan or me dave hogue at 108 hbo and you can look up previous episodes to know how that's spelled. Or go to our Twitter page because it's on there. It is. <laughs> Your profile is linked at the top. Yes. All right. I think it's time. Okay. I'm going to read some scripture. We're at Matthew 9, 1 through New 8. chapter, Dave. It is a new chapter. Get excited. We're just plowing through this. Yeah. It uh, has picked up pace a little bit here. Um, Not as many red letter sections, but we do have those today. All right, so Matthew 9, 1 through 8. And getting into a boat, he crossed over and came to his own city. And behold, some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. And behold, some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts? For which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Rise and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, Rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. When the crowd saw it, they were afraid. 
and they glorified God who had given such authority to men. All right. So first question. Mm-hmm. Why do they go back across the sea from where they just came? Like, didn't they just cross and go through that crazy storm and then killed a bunch of pigs? Like, what? What? Why? I don't. I don't understand. <laughs> uh, well, in, in at the end of uh, our story last week, uh, basically the people told Jesus to leave. They said, "Get the heck out of here." And uh, I may have forgotten that part when I wrote that question. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you know, I think I think um, they're. Uh, I think that 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 there is something tr- there is a truth about God in that in that God Jesus the Holy Spirit does not go where he's not welcome and I I truly believe that to be true that if you make a decision of God I don't want you in my life Jesus get the heck out of here leave me alone he respects that and I respect may be an odd word to use but God does not force himself on us. He does not uh, come in uninvited. He does not badger us. Uh, His involvement in our lives is very much something that um, he honors whether we're there or not. Now, I do know that Scripture says that he pursues us, um, but truthfully, I think there, there is an element here of, God, we want nothing to do with you a very clear cut sort of, we've made a decision. We don't want you go away. And so when I say God doesn't go where he's not invited, if somebody has really made a, uh, God, I don't want you in my life. Leave me alone. He honors that. Um, never thought of it that way before. And and I I wanted to disagree with you. (laughs) I wanted to, well, but then I was like, well, well, I mean, there's a number of areas in scripture where that kind of is played out. The flood, for example, um, the Moses and the Egyptians. Um, there's there's plenty of um, places in Scripture, Sodom and Gomorrah, um, and then even in Jonah, he gives he sends Jonah, and they repent, and he stays. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's ample reason to believe that if they had not repented, he could have pulled a Sodom and Gomorrah and just been like, and you're done. Yeah. So I, I wanted to disagree with you, but then I was like, oh, no, like usual, he's right. <laughs> okay. And, and the scripture that I found for this is 1 Corinthians 7.15. But if the unbeliever leaves, let him do so. A believing man or woman is not bound in such circumstances. God has called us to live in peace. And again, it's sort of that idea of um, we don't... It's not going to, we're not going to get the result we're looking for if we force somebody to stay. And again, God is love. God is all about love. And I'm not saying that he doesn't love us. And I'm not saying that he isn't going to win us over with his love or can't move, but it is very much a, um, I, be careful if you tell God you don't want him in your life, because I think he will honor that. And so that's like the quintessential example of careful what you ask for because you just <laughs> might get it. Yeah. And I don't think it's an, you know, I don't want to come across as I think it's an irreversible. Oh, uh, if you tell God to leave, I think it's more just 
as demonstrated here with, with Jesus and these people, well, what could he have done? He could have cursed them. You know, he could have, he could have sent them into the sea. He could have sent them into the sea. <laughs> he could have called down, you know, a legion of angels. Uh, but he doesn't, he, he just sort of says, all right, we're going to go. And, um, you know, I'm reminded of, um, you know, if you go into a town and they don't want to have anything to do with you, shake the dust off their, you know, your sandals and move along. And, um, uh, so I, again, I, I believe in consistency with God. I believe that he is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. And as I've looked at these kinds of things, that seems to be how he operates. Okay. Quick tangent. Okay. You, you just said that, that God doesn't change, that he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, mm-hmm. which is a very common thing to hear. Mm-hmm. What, is that, what does that mean? And why is that a good thing? Because it seems like it could be incredibly boring, <laughs> you know? But why is that a positive about God and not something that we're just like, oh, man, it's like, it sounds like Groundhog Day, the mm-hmm. movie for, you know, eternity. Um, because in God, uh, him not changing um, comes from the, he is good. You know, God is good. God is truth. He is what he's supposed to be. When we think about change, ideally good change means a movement in a positive direction. Well, that's not possible for God to do because he's perfect. He's already in the best position that he could be in. And so that's why it's beneficial uh, for us in terms of that. Uh, The second thing is, is um, there's, there's no surprises for us as finite human beings trying to understand an infinite God. Um, and uh, I, gosh, I'm going to draw a blank on even who this person is, but I, I know that um, people that have more of a, um, I guess Lee Strobel might be one example of this, but people who really sort of are coming at scripture and God and the Bible and the gospel that, you know, the good news of Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us, that come to it sort of as an agnostic or maybe even not believing in God and are like, I'm going to disprove this. It's like you start really studying it and breaking down these principles and it, you realize, wow, there's continuity throughout the Bible. God's love is throughout there. His grace is throughout there. Uh, the faith of uh, the importance of faith for uh, his believers is is central throughout, and um, so yeah, I, I I guess that's those are two reasons why I would say that it's important. I don't know. Do you have other thoughts? No, n- no not that are any better or more wise than yours. Um, that was a don't take this the wrong way, but that was a way more in depth answer than I was gonna, than I thought I was going to get from an on the spot question. That was. Well okay. done, sir. Well done. All right. Um, yeah, let's just keep going. Sounds good. We got, we're on the gravy train. We got to keep cooking. All right. Is that even a reference that, that makes sense? I don't know. Gravy train. And you cook. cook it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> Gosh. All right, guys, just stick with us. I promise Dave will start talking again soon. Um, <laughs> why does God uh, heal the paralytic based on the faith of his friends and not on the faith of the paralytic. Because as you see here in verse two, it says some people brought to Jesus a paralytic lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, meaning the faith of the people that brought the paralytic, he said to the paralytic, 
take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. So in pretty much every circumstance that I can think of previous to this, when Jesus is healing people or performing miracles, he is performing the miracle on the person who has expressed faith in him. This to me seems like the first instance that I can recall where he's performing a miracle for someone based on a third party's faith. So, why does he do it? Uh, one of the initial thoughts that I had on that was, uh, uh, why we do this. There's, there should be practical application to our lives today as we read Scripture. And the takeaway, as I would describe this, is that faith sort of needs to be solidified by action. Um, Abraham, I, would, I would agree with that. Abraham taking Isaac up to sacrificing him, Peter stepping out of the boat. Uh, and so in this instance, um, being a paralytic, I'm not sure that he could do the action that was necessary. And this may be a much more pragmatic answer than what is really going on, but um, the paralytic probably couldn't move, and there's a good chance that he may not have even been able to speak to be even asking Jesus for it. And so the act of faith that is done here is his friends picking him up and carrying him to where Jesus is and expecting him to heal him. And so the action part of that faith belongs to those people. And um, I don't, you know, I think he also knows the heart of the paralytic and wanting to be healed, but truly the action that occurred here belongs to the friends. Because hmm. isn't there um, an, another um, story like this where the person's lying beside the, the healing pool? And he can't get in when the water's stirred. When he's been there for ever, many years, yeah. And he like begs Jesus and isn't Jesus kind of like, can't she just roll into the water or something like a little more PC than that. But, and so I just, it, it strikes me the wording here. And, and I believe, um, if I didn't do my research on this part, but there's another retelling of a story where they actually rip a hole in the thatch roof mm-hmm. and lower him down. Right. Which is kind of a bold move. Yes. To destroy someone's roof and lower your friend down just to like cut in line. Right. And Jesus is like, oh, boom, healed. Thanks, guys. Good job. Yep. And I'm just, the longer we do this show, the more that I'm really seeing all these things that Jesus does. I'm just like, they're kind of throwing me, you know? Mm-hmm. And it's not like I don't know the Bible and I'm not well educated in it. I am. Um, but preparing for these episodes has really caused me to think practically about why Jesus did what he did. Mm. And a lot of that stuff, I'm really like, why? Yeah. Why did he do that? Like he rewarded cutting in front of a bunch of other sick people and digging a hole in some guy's roof. Cause to me, that's like a no, like what? No, don't do that. That's, that's, you know, at best, you know, um, destruction of property at worst breaking and entering like you know there's 
And Jesus is like, oh yeah, you're done. Good job. Well, the other thing I keep thinking is, is how distracting would that be? I mean, if you're lowering somebody through the, the roof, that had to go on for a while. There's probably stuff falling to the ground as they're doing it. And why would you not stop and like go outside and be like, what are you guys doing? Uh, you know, did he just keep teaching and let them digging the hole with everybody being totally distracted? And yeah. so. Who knows? Yeah, there's a lot of effort that went on. So anyways, I, I, I brought that up just because there's just, there's more. I'm seeing more about Jesus than um, I remember Mm -hmm. as we're going slowly through um, these verses and and trying to figure out what was he thinking? Why did he do that? What were the reactions of the people? Like in in trying to come up with the questions for the show um, and hopefully, you know, bringing out the fact that the Bible is engaging and practical and necessary for modern life. Um, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm being pretty, pretty consistently surprised by my recollection of what Jesus said and did to what the Bible actually says that he did. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a lot more, um, I'm going to choose my words carefully here. Uh, he's a lot more of a button pusher. <laughs> than I think I was ever taught to believe. He's the ultimate rebel. He really is. <laughs> See, now I'm thinking of two things. I'm thinking of James Dean, and now I'm thinking of Kid Rock. And that is on you, Dave. Why would you make me think about Kid Rock? <laughs> because Jesus is probably more like James Dean and Kid Rock than the picture that we paint of him today. You mean he wasn't a white guy? I definitely wasn't a white guy. (laughs) That's for sure. (laughs) But yeah, I think he was more of a bad boy than he was, you know, he didn't abuse alcohol and smoke cigarettes, but at least not that I'm aware of. But I definitely think, I mean, that's what he came, he came to challenge authority. You know, I, we, we talk, we joke about, um, excuse me, drop my uh, phone. Ooh, ouch. Is it all right? <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, you know, we jump, we joke about, uh, well, and I've totally lost my train of thought now. So, um, but, Kid Rock, James Dean, Jesus was a rebel. Yeah. The, the bumper sticker question authority is what comes to my mind because I think that's very much what Jesus was about was questioning authority. And it's a really dumb bumper sticker. It is a dumb bumper. Because then I have to question the authority of your bumper sticker telling me to do something. And <laughs> if I question that, then your whole your whole premise is is broken. It never ends. Exactly. Anyways, we should do a whole show on bumper stickers, Dave. We could do it. <laughs> we just like a, a special episode where we do nothing but just rip bumper stickers to shreds. Which that reminds me, I just have to say that I, you know, I, I retweeted a little deal about church signs and that there's an actual website for the you, church signs. What? I know yes. about the website. I had no idea that you tweeted this, Dave. Yes. And All right. We're taking a total tangent total right now, tangent. folks. If you want to get back to the Bible, fast forward. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna do this for a minute. But that's the other thing I think we need to discuss is we need to discuss the signs and what churches put on their signs out front. 
Because oh gosh, to prevent <laughs> sin burn, use sunscreen with an oh my. Oh. I, really did, I really did see that on a church here in Gardner. And I just was like, no. Oh my gosh. Please don't do that. SPF Jesus. Yes. Oh my. Yeah. They're, they're actually some clever ones, but I feel like they are the needle in the haystack of just awful puns. And trust me, I, I love puns. <laughs> I make bad puns all the time. It's kind of my thing, but yes. Oh boy. Oh, and Mark Waldrop, uh, the guitarist for the digital age. Yes. Which you put it here. says sayings for church science is a real website, not a real non ironic website. Oh no, sorry. A real non ironic website. Like it exists as a resource for real. And I'm now clicking on this link, Dave. Yes. So it was, um, it was, it's quite humorous to flip through there. My, my most favorite. Oh, this website is terrible. My most favorite one that I've seen recently is, um, oh, and I'm not going to be able to remember what it was now. Uh, it's all about the grace, the grace, no devil. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think I just woke your children up. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no. Why? Why do Christians ruin everything? <laughs> Keep calm know. and disciple on Dave. Yes. Cause that one's not been abused enough. Oh my goodness. I'm not well, quite I'm, frankly. I, I actually like Megan trainer. I think her songs have some good messages for that chorus is terrible, but the oh, message, the, the, the message yeah. of the song is good. The chorus is, is and then awful. Dear future husband and all those kinds of oh, as, as, to that one. as a dad of oh, great, yeah. girls. I appreciate the message that she puts in her music and not that my daughters are huge Megan Trainer fans, but anyway, complete and total tangents now. Well, we're going to continue because I just clicked on the popular Halloween sayings. Yes. I, and we all know that Christians and Halloween just go together so well. All right, here we go. The devil's trick is no treat. Mm, profound. Mm. Christians and Halloween probably should go to better than Christians and Christmas and Easter, which we talked about. Heaven will be a treat. Hell will be a bad trick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think these people understand what they said. Let Jesus be the treat. He's not a trick. Do, do they? Do you think oh they know God. what calling someone a trick means? Probably not. Oh, just look it up on the internet, or if you're. Just ask your parents. <laughs> okay, we have to bring this. I'm this this we're going downhill. And I'm just gonna turn into a total judgmental cam. So let's <laughs> please Dave save the show. Mm. All about that oh, I can't even all about the grace. No devil. The grace. Oh no gosh. devil. Have I told you? Okay, one more story. I promise this is the last one. Um it was at Abilene Christian University. Um, Ty went down for a class reunion and took his uh, daughter. And Abilene Christian is not as conservative as, as it once was back when, when, when um, he was there. Um, but it's still a fairly conservative Christian school in Texas, I think. I don't really know. Um, but apparently while they were there, there was a Christian rap duo that rewrote the song, the Dougie teach me how to Dougie teach me teach <laughs> to, and I quote, Jesus is my buddy. Jesus, Jesus is my buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and 
and and that's when I lost all hope in humanity, right, there, right. right there. But this is go. Just I, no, I, th- I <laughs> no. It's funny, but it it's is funny. totally not at all what we were expecting to happen in this show. No, I, and you know, I, I, I think in some ways it speaks to the level of our. I don't know. I'm gonna sound condescending, but. Yeah, we're all about cliches. We're all about jingles. We're all about catchy little neat things like that. And uh, I didn't see Jesus doing a whole lot of that. So, and yeah, anyway, (laughs) I'm going to stop myself. So uh, Matthew 9. Yes. What does it mean to blaspheme, Dave? Don't blaspheme. Um you know, when I hear the word blaspheme, we keep talking about things that remind us of other things. So I'm going to continue with that tonight. It always reminds me of the scene in the Blues Brothers when they go into Aretha Franklin's diner to get Mac Guitar Murphy and uh, Blues Lou. Blues, Blue, Blue Lou Marini. Blue Lou. Fun fact, Dave. <laughs> yes. The, uh, the girl that I dated in high school, uh-huh. her uncle... Blue Lou, Mar- Blue Lou Marini. Oh, that's very. Or cool. no, I'm sorry. Her, her. It was her mom's cousin. Her so mom's, whatever. So there's yeah, a relation. Her mom's maiden name was Marini, and her cousin was Blue Lou from the Blues Brothers. Cool. So I was associated with a famous person for like two years. <laughs> so anyway, Jake and Elwood and the Blues Brothers yes. are on a mission from, from God. God. They Indeed. are on a mission from God, which I. Those are a great example of the type of people that God likes to use, and when they go in there. Aretha Franklin's character says, don't you blaspheme in here, don't you? <laughs> and kind of goes off on him. And then she breaks out into a uh, chorus of R-E-S-P-E-C-T, find out what it means to me. No, is that right? You may yeah. have to think. think. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway. Oh, Dave, these show notes <clears throat> are going to be so good this week. <laughs> so, and the Blues Brothers is truly one of my favorite movies for so many, many, many reasons, but Mainly that they're on a mission from God, and God uses sinful people. Uh, blasphemy. The basically, um, for me, um, is irreverence towards God, is what uh, blasphemy means. And then I even think there's a level of um, kind of knowing it to be true. Like I know that this is an act of God but I'm not going to give God credit for it is really sort of that. And I think there was a little bit of that going on here with these folks. Yeah, they're clueless, uh, but ultimately they're the Pharisees, uh, teachers of the law that probably knew it better than anybody. And I think there's an element of pride that comes in with them in terms of we see what is going on here, but we're not going to, we're not going to give God the credit that he deserves for it. Right. Okay. Um, and so specifically though, in this, in this passage, they say this right after he tells this guy that his sins are forgiven. Mm-hmm. So he's blaspheming because he's, Oh pre- yeah, I guess he's, I, sure. he's pretty much equating himself with God because God is the only person that can forgive sins. Mm-hmm. And so by telling someone your sins are forgiven, he's pretty much saying, I am God. Yeah. And it, it, I have the power to do this because, and so, by claiming to be God, they say you're blaspheming. Um, so you are speaking um, incorrectly, like you're lying about being God. Um, mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, it's a misrepresentation of God in their estimation, right? True. 
Yes. Okay. Plus, I think, again, I think there's some pride going on there because they're the ones in that day and an yes, age. They're the scribes. They would be the ones that would be allowed to forgive sin. And so they're like, they'd also be the ones that had their own reality TV show. If it was nowadays, don't you think <laughs> real scribes of Johnson County, <laughs> we should totally mm. make that show, Dave. We can get like the curly, you know, <laughs> hair and yes, that was probably offensive. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know how many, I think Orthodox I'm like, Jews or, I think you know. I'm like hell bent on taking this episode off the rails. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. what got it. You know why? Cause I was so bored at work today that I'm just like thriving on the fact that the fact that like I'm engaged with something right now. So sure. Good. All right. Okay. Here's, this is my question. Isn't Jesus cheating by knowing what people are thinking? Like that's totally not fair. No, it's probably not fair, but <laughs> Okay. You know, because it says, uh, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, said, why do you think even you're like, he's got such an advantage, which is cool because he's God. I get it. But it just seems kind of like cheating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I when you're God, you get to make the rules. So, I, you know. And he doesn't do it a whole lot. This is one of the few times That's I true. think we see him do this. Well, it's, it's one of the few times that it's acknowledged. One of the few times that it's acknowledged. And, I, you know, um, as you talk about as we go through this and as we look at what Matthew says and the book that he wrote, uh, I think he's very intentional about the way he groups his stories and kind of gets, he's much more to the point, much more direct about uh I don't even know if I'm saying that right, but um, there's not as much detail maybe as some of the other gospels in terms of, you know, like the number of demons that were in the person Mm -hmm. or uh, like you mentioned, digging through the thatched roof. And he seems to sort of go, uh, this is what you need to know about this. And I don't know what my point is with that, but I'm I'm discovering that Matthew seems to be much more to the point uh, when he is uh, presenting these stories. All right. Let's keep moving. Okay. Um, I think you put this question in here. What does that, the fact that Jesus knows people's thoughts, what does that say about our thoughts? And what, what were you wanting to? Uh, you know, I, I think it just, it just sort of hit me uh, as, I, as I was reading that. And, um, uh, you know, here the, 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 you know, these guys are just sitting there. They haven't said anything. They're just thinking, uh, who does this guy think he is that he can forgive sin? And from an outward standpoint, you know, people looking at it going, well, nobody sinned here today, you know? And it just, I, I guess it just sort of hit me of how often I define my sin or how well I'm doing in my walk by what I'm doing outwardly. And do I really ever think about uh, a lot of the thoughts that run through my head about what I really think about people, uh, about how, you know, I take a second look at somebody, how I, you know, whatever it may be. And I think our, our thoughts are probably a better um, revelation of what our, the condition of our heart is versus what we do and what we say. 
And I just, I was really sort of in that moment of like, Ooh, if God is hearing, which I know he is, if he's hearing my thoughts and it's just that realization of what a really sinful person I am when I compare my thoughts and darkest parts of who I am compared to that outward false self that I so present to other people. So I don't know. What do you think? Oh, I agree. Okay. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, I too often um, have that same easy to judge other people for the very same thing that I know that I'm capable of mm-hmm. or, or guilty of. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of frightening to think that God knows all of your thoughts. Like that's just yeah, no, no one else should should know that, <laughs> right? Because but. that's if if you knew my thoughts, you wouldn't like me. <laughs> People be like, "What are you doing doing this podcast?" Well, and I I think that too. Part of that is um, I don't know where along the way we learn as kids that we have to pretend like we have it all together. But at some point, everyone figures out, oh, if I want to be liked, or if I want to be loved, or if I want any sort of relationship with other people in this world, I have to act a certain way that is not accurate to how I feel, think, or act privately. Um, And I don't know how that happens. I think it's conditioned for us through, but it happens to everybody. Yeah. Um, And it, and everybody else does it. It's we like this, it it's kids, like this, we do it to our friends. this we, secret that everyone knows about. And it's like everyone walking on the streets, like <laughs> winking at each other. I just winked and then realized no one's going to hear that. <laughs> it's not very audible. No. Um, I just tried really hard and it hurt. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so that, that leads me to wonder why, why do we feel this way? And is that one of Satan's tricks to, you know, to, to, um, badger our self-esteem, um, and our self-worth and to think that, to to make us think that no one could really love us if they really knew us, Mm -hmm. that we really are alone in the world. And that like, you know, yeah, I'm, I've been married for six years, but my wife loves the person she thinks I, you know, like you have those conversations in your head of, I'm not worthy to be loved. I don't know why she does. She must just love the person that she thinks that I am and not who I really am because the only person who really knows who I am is me. And and that sort of thinking can lead you to some really depressing and dark places. And I think somehow Satan has got his foothold in us as a, as a, as a species, not, not even America. This is like oh, absolutely. global and throughout time. Exactly. It, it's, it's this idea that we are not lovable because of what we've done. And so I think that part of the greatest thing about Jesus and the hardest thing to believe in my estimation are the two same things or the same thing that God loves us even though he knows us completely mm-hmm. and we're just like, Nope, Nope, no one could. doesn't make sense because we're so, um, I, I'm speaking for other people. I feel this way. Um, I don't know how other people feel. I'm too busy focusing on myself. Yeah. Um, that like, I, I just, you know, some days like I just, I, I say it cause it's just wrote at this point. God loves me. God loves me. Jesus died for me, but I don't really 
some days I'm just like, ah, why would he, mm-hmm. you know? And so those are the, those, that's the stuff that I struggle with. Um, that, that God would see all of my thoughts and my intentions and my motivations and see how selfish I am and see how prideful I am. Um, and, and all of the other stuff that I don't want to tell the internet about, um, <laughs> he would see that and he would say, yep, still worth it. Um, so I think that it's, it's a, um, it is a tough, but still good reminder to, to know that, that God knows my thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, it's tough because I know that my thoughts are not God honoring most of the time, Mm -hmm. but it's, it's helpful and good in that, he still loves me anyways and is calling me to be with him and more like him. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. All right. So how do you suppose that those scribes reacted when Jesus said, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or rise and walk, but that you may know the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic rise, pick up your bed and go home. Like, I kind of feel like at that point he would get up and drop whatever was their cultural equivalent of the microphone and be like, see you guys later. I'm out. (laughs) You know, like how you're sitting there. Who's this guy? I think he is. I can't believe he's blasting. Like he he doesn't know what he's talking about. He's, and then all of a sudden the paralyzed guy gets up and walks out of the building. I kind of feel like, Anybody in that situation, regardless of how judgmental you are, has to go, oh, my goodness, and have a minor freak out moment. Do you think I'm correct in saying that? Hmm. That is a good question. Um, I, I, I guess I'm, I'm kind of back at where you were with Jesus being a button pusher, because I feel like he's setting these people up. You know, it's yeah, he would have been a really good stand up comic. Yeah, because it was I mean, he knew very well that he was probably planning on healing that guy. But his whole sequence of events was your sins are forgiven. Go ahead. Yeah, that's what's real. I mean, because that's truly that is what matters. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, but the, but he sets the premise up. And then he just takes their knees oh, out. Oh, absolutely. Which is exactly what stand up comedy is. You set the people up and then you tear them down. Right. But he does it. With these guys. Yeah. And he, he, he dangles the carrot in front of them of your sins are forgiven. And then as soon as they bite on it, oh, and by the way, enjoy your, enjoy your stroll home. It's a nice night outside. <laughs> <laughs> it's, yeah. I just, I, I would have loved to have been in that room with the full knowledge I have now of what was going to happen just so I could just watch. Yeah, like, exactly. Wait for it, wait for it. And they're done. Like they're <laughs> hook, line and sinker. He's got them. Yes. Um, not really important, I think, now, but I just wanted to bring that up just because I think it's fun sometimes to think about how you would react in that situation, which is kind of hard because we have the full knowledge now, so it's hard to, you know, but at the same time, it would have been really fun to watch. Well, and I guess I'm even a little bit curious as to how the paralytic would have responded. I mean, when Jesus says your sins are forgiven, was he like, yes. He's that's, like, that's, that's not my problem, bro. These, <laughs> these things down here, they don't work. That's, yeah. that's the real situation that needs to get fixed. Yeah. And <laughs> you know, so that's, I guess that's kind of the other thing I wonder is like, what? My sins are forgiven. 
uh, <laughs> on a walk. So. <laughs> yeah, that's, anyway. I didn't even think about that. That's good. All right. Two more questions. Okay. In closing, because we've been yapping for a while now. Mm-hmm. What does the forgiveness of sins accomplish? This is, this is a rather basic question, but it is so important for everybody everywhere that I feel like it's, it's a good thing to talk about. Um, here's a question for you before we even get to that. You're going to answer my question with a question? Well, I just literally had this moment of, why did Jesus have to die on the cross if he's forgiving sins before he ever died? Huh. I mean, if, if he's sitting there going, your sins are forgiven. <laughs> For those of you listening, I have a very <laughs> puzzled look on my face. And, I, and this is a very genuine, like, I just had that moment of like, wait a minute. Well. Because as I'm preparing my answer, I, that's where I'm going. And then I think about it, and I'm like, well, he just forgave sins without having to die on the cross. Why did that change? Okay. Uh, walk through this with me. So Jesus has yet to die. Yes. Okay. He has told this guy that his sins are forgiven. Now, is it, is it possible that he said that with the full knowledge of the crucifixion coming? Yes. I think that is very much possible. Again, back to the whole, we think linear, linear. Mm-hmm. God does not operate in a linear, linear universe. So, yeah. So, so my, my, my initial thought is, um, the atonement or sorry, the crucifixion of Christ was the atonement for the cost of sin. I, I, I'm going to be, oh, I'm going to, okay. I'm going to be very careful here. Christ's death, burial, and resurrection was to atone for our sin, to defeat death, and to ultimately banish Satan, right? Mm-hmm. I think the forgiveness of sins is a very small part of everything that is represented in the atonement. Like it's very easy for us to focus on it being the main point because guess who sin got forgiven? We did out of jail (laughs) for free. Let's talk. But there's so much other stuff going on that I think that he is fully capable of saying your sins are forgiven and forgiving them on the spot because he's God with the ultimate ending still in mind of I'm going to take care of your sins personally. Then I'm going to take care of, everyone's sins corporately. Mm-hmm. I'm going to appease my own wrath. And then, Oh, by the way, this pesky almost cursed, uh, idiot called the devil. We're finally going to take care of him. Right. So like you said in previous episodes, when I think it was just last episode, when, um, the demons were like, have you come to deal with us before the time mm-hmm. has come that he could, if he wanted to say, yeah, you're, you're done game over before the end has come. I think in the same way, he could have the power and did have the power to choose, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to forgive your sins, you know? Uh, because then you, you also come into this thing. If we're going to think linearly about it of all of the people that followed God before Jesus died, 
Right. Were their exactly. sins not forgiven until he died on the cross? Right. I believe that as soon as they they died, they were with God in paradise because once you're dead, guess what? Time is irrelevant. Right. It's not a thing anymore. No. So I'm cool with it. Yeah. But that was a fun little yeah. question. You're so smart, Dave. Oh. <laughs> I don't know about that. But No, you're not very humble. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So I guess we kind of maybe even just answered that question, though. What does the forgiveness of sins accomplish? But I think maybe we should bring it down a level. And I think the, the most important thing to know about the forgiveness of sins is that it allows us to spend eternity with God in the way that he intended it to be. Yes. That um, this place that we live in, while wonderful and beautiful and creative and um, awe-inspiring, is not the full realization of what God created us to be. Mm-hmm. Um, and by forgiving our sin, uh, he will fully realize his initial creation Yes, with us in it. So I think that's why the forgiveness of sins is a big deal, because it's going to set right all of the wrongs that have occurred. Yes, and I think central in that is that relationship. You know, him walking in the garden, in the Garden of Eden. You know, he was present there with them, and then that really was gone. You know, it just... That's going to be such a weird feeling. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> it's going to be like... But at the same time, I don't feel, feel like you would be looking over your shoulder like, is he looking? Is he looking? Because you're not going to be doing anything that you know, <laughs> he shouldn't be looking at. Yes. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe for once we'll all just kind of be content. I know I'm looking forward to that because I'm discontent most of my life. Yes. It sucks. I would agree. But all right. How, okay. This is all good. Sins are being forgiven. Jesus is pushing buttons. This is, this is all good, right? Mm-hmm. But how do you tell someone that they're a sinner and they need <laughs> their sins forgiven without being a jerk? And we brought this up once a long time ago. I think it was one of our first episodes. But inherent in telling people how awesome salvation is, you're also saying, by the way, you're in desperate need of being saved, mm-hmm. which depending on how you deliver it can come across <laughs> something people don't want to hear. Right. And that is unavoidable, I think. Yeah. But how, how can we go about expressing the joy of forgiven sin and a relationship with God without being unnecessarily um, rude yeah. to people? Yeah. Cause I think too, is that some people don't see that they're in need of, forgiveness and how dare you tell me how to live my life and judge me and you're a hypocrite and yada yeah all that yeah exactly um i i have discovered that one of the things that people will acknowledge universally is that there is a a gap between what it is that i know i should do and what i actually and yes, I'm going to say it, do, do. So. <laughs> so disappointed. Uh, 
So for all you Beavis and Butthead fans out there, <laughs> I did say doo-doo. Um, <laughs> so there's there's a gap between those two things. Like if I and I've stood before a room full of cops and asked that very question, and they've all acknowledged, yes, there is a difference between what I know I should do and what I actually do. And that's that could be from uh, how I treat my, my wife and my family members uh, to uh, my eating and exercise habits to, you know, most people are willing to acknowledge that sort of baseline premise uh, where it probably breaks down again is, you know, not everybody has that same sort of sense of this is a sin or this isn't a sin. But it seems to be this universal truth, this universal sort of, um, you know, just sense in us of I'm not measuring up to what it is that I'm supposed to be doing. And we kind of even alluded to that a little bit of feeling unlovable. And uh, so I, I, I don't think, um, and I don't even know who your audience is. Are you talking to a Christian or a non-Christian? Because I'm, I'm sort of coming from the, 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 the paradigm or the perspective of this. I'm talking to a non-Christian person. Yeah. Uh, I think generally the conversations that I have with non-Christians, they are willing to acknowledge that sin is a very real thing. Uh, now granted, I, well, so, um, but I mean, are they talking about sin in a biblical sense or just in the, Oh, I stuff I shouldn't do because I feel like, Sin is, is, has, is different than, well, I, f- I feel like that even the term sin in a, in a non theological setting is just bad stuff. It loses the connotation of offensive to God, mm-hmm. you know, because why would it? God doesn't exist, mm-hmm. you know? So sin is just like, you know, oh, I, you know, did something I shouldn't have done in that situation. You know what I mean? Well, I think there's an element of, I'm better than that guy and I try my best to do my best. Mm-hmm. And so that's where the breakdown comes to, to me in this is that it's like, I, I have a hard time um, accepting that. And so uh, I think there's just, there is a ton, a plethora of things that are involved with how you go about this. And for me personally, uh, it's about being in a relationship with somebody. Uh, talking about sin, talking about a need for Jesus, talking about the need for having our sins forgiven um, definitely is more, it is, it is better received when there's a relationship there versus standing on the street corner telling somebody they're a sinner, which we experience quite a bit in Lawrence with. Cannabis cures cancer, Dave. <laughs> Did you know that? <laughs> yes. I've heard that. I've heard that. So, um, so yeah, I guess my, my ramblings coming, come down to one. I think everybody deep down knows there is that. I think they will acknowledge that even with sin. I I, I think the Holy, that is the Holy Spirit's job is to convict. And I think every human being on some level has that. Ultimately, the way a human being is going to hear from another human being about their sin with an eternal God is through a relationship. So. All right. (laughs) You extroverts get out there and make it happen. And I'll stay in my basement with my microphone. (laughs) 
right. Well, I think we have come to the conclusion of episode, episode 29. Yes. We eventually yeah. got there. Hey, we it was got a very, there. it's a very scenic route this week. Hey, you know, it's, it's fall <laughs> right now. The leaves are starting to turn. The corn is being harvested. harvested yes. It's a, it's a good time of year for a scenic <laughs> drive. Yes. So what you should do is rewind this entire episode, go get in your car, take a scenic drive and listen to it. Yes. I'm curious to hear, to, to know if there was background noise on this episode. Because I don't know what you're talking about. This it entire, was perfectly silent This here. entire time, I think a family member of mine was in the shower and we listened to the water. So uh, Cam and I managed to keep it together this week and not giggle over the fact that the water was running. But We giggled about much, many other things. It seemed really loud. To me, this today. Well, so. you know, cleanliness is next to godliness, yes. Dave. So we're not going to begrudge the shower. I think that's in First Yolanda somewhere. <laughs> what? <laughs> okay, uh, that's it. We'll see you guys next time. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. Uh, bye.